Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a blogger on personal finance here in New Zealand. And on this podcast, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. You will hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are giving their tips and point of view on personal finance in New Zealand. Personal finance is indeed deeply personal. In this final podcast of this series, I'm doing a recap of two people that I've spoken with earlier. Firstly, there was Brett from episode 20. He's a guy who had gone from being a super consumer to someone who is finally, and much to the relief of his extremely patient partner Shelley, he's finally in control of money. And secondly, I spoke with Lucas from episode number 28, who last time we met was staring down the barrel of a $1.2 million mortgage while facing a drop in income, an anxious wife and two small children to care for. Both of these couples have come an extremely long way in a very short space of time and I think that hearing from them will help many people who are currently finding themselves in tough situations of their own. But before I get started, I just have a quick message from Hatch, today's sponsor. I'm excited to have Hatch supporting today's episode because, for the first time, they make investing in the world's most recognisable companies and funds easy and affordable. Hatch is KiwiWealth's digital investing platform. As part of the Kiwi Group family, they are 100% Kiwi-owned and are committed to helping Kiwis live their best lives. Hatch can help you build your own personalised investment portfolios packed with the things you care about. It's smart to invest regularly for your future and now is as good a time as any to start. But knowledge is power, so kick off your investing journey with the Hatch Getting Started course. The Getting Started course can give you the confidence to invest when you're ready. Daily emails will teach you everything you need to know to buy your first shares on the US share markets. And best of all, it's free. To learn more, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver start investing. I interviewed Brett for the podcast way back in June 2018. He was on episode number 20, which I called Super Consumer to Super Saver. When we spoke, he said that it's like he had been in the matrix and only just woken up after realising he had been sucked into a giant consumer machine where he used to use money to buy endless stuff, but instead he is now using it as a currency to buy back his time and be generous to others. So please do go back and listen to that episode for much more detail. But just to give you a quick recap, up until this point, he spent his adult life buying anything he wanted. And if he didn't have the money to pay for it, he'd just borrow it. But he reached a point where he looked around himself and the penny dropped. Despite all of the new things that he often purchased and had surrounded himself by, the gloss wore off pretty quickly and he felt the need to buy something new again. Brett was the Joneses, that neighbour on your street who appeared to have it all, but there was debt lurking behind much of it. A former pilot, grounded because of his type 1 diabetes, he had become a flight planner with Air New Zealand, earning $130,000 a year. He had purchased property for various reasons and then sold it again, either investing the profit into another property or just frittering it away with no memory of where it went, and at one point, he had even racked up a credit card bill of $40,000. His partner Shelley referred to him as Mr. Immediate, and it seemed to sum him up well, always on the go, always with a new toy, a new project, a new big idea that required immediate action. Shelley, on the other hand, was always great with money and not a big spender, who always enjoyed life while spending less than she earned, while saving for her future at the same time. 
Year in, year out, she tried to teach him not to be so out of control with money, and she also absolutely refused to join their financial lives together until he sorted himself out. And for this to happen, she had to patiently wait for about 15 years. Brett had stumbled upon Pete Adeney, or Mr Money Mustache, a guy who had retired at the age of 30 and blogged about the purposeful life he now leads, and Brett connected with his message and made the decision that he wanted to be debt-free by the age of 55, and he finally woke up to how he can use his money to buy his freedom, and he has been on that mission ever since. So to cut a long story short, that brings us to the present. It was nice to speak to him in person again, and he is still a super busy person with a few projects on the go outside of his work. In fact, he said work is starting to get in the way of all of his other projects. And I'm relieved to say he has been sticking to the task he set himself, working his way out of debt. Now aged 54, he is not going to quite meet his deadline of 55 years of age, but there are a couple of reasons why, which I'll explain shortly. When we spoke two years ago, they still had $77,000 of mortgage debt remaining on the house that they live in in Auckland. Now that is completely gone now, and for the first time in his adult life, he and Shelley actually own their home in full. And you may remember that many years back, he had bought a commercial property to run a side hustle out of, but when that drew to a close, he rented out the building to an auto technician, and it was bringing them in rent of about $80,000 a year. I think there was a bit of blind luck involved in all of his property purchases. The purchase of this warehouse was more of an impulse buy than a business decision, but having it has added to their good fortune today. They have a great long-term tenant who they have a good working relationship with, and Brent has always kept in pretty close contact as sometimes the rent could be a little late, and he found that working closely together just stopped that happening. He had been paying about $7,000 a month, and this money was headed straight to their last remaining debt the $200,000 mortgage that remained on this property, but then COVID-19 came along. Brett said he had developed a feel for how business was going for his tenant by the number of vehicles he had in his warehouse and in his yard awaiting repairs, and he knew that repairs were likely to grind to a halt because of the pandemic. So Brett didn't hesitate to get in touch with his tenant very early on, and without being asked, and he offered to drop his rent by 67%. Why? because he knew that if he did not, he would struggle to pay it. And Brett does not want to lose him as a tenant, and he does not want to see the guy lose his business. Instead of a competition, it's a collaboration. If they both succeed, then they both succeed, because one can't make progress without the other. He does not want to be the owner of an empty warehouse, and he does not want this situation to turn bad for everyone, and have this guy lose his business, and for it to have a flow-on effect where his tenant can't pay the mortgage on his own house, and potentially lose that too. Now make no mistake, this is a huge gesture and it also shows that being in control of your money and not drowning in debt yourself can give you ownership of the situation and can give you the ability to be generous, flexible and extend kindness to others in their time of need. That is a huge turnaround for Brett to be in a position to accept a far lower rent because he can afford to do this. For New Zealand to come out of the other side of this, we each need to extend a bit of grace to each other. So instead of the usual rent coming to him each month of about $7,000, he is accepting $1,800, which covers the mortgage payment he needs to make, plus an additional $1,000, so $2,800 in total. He is down a significant amount each month now, but he said, it just does not matter. 
and he knows he is doing the right thing for both of them. Brett took advice from his own lawyer over the situation so he knows his own boundaries and at the time we spoke this rent reduction has no end date. He and his tenant remain in regular contact and will just see how things develop. And like I said, he has a feel for his business and when he sees the number of vehicles in for repair increase, he will know that there is more income coming in and when that time comes, they will discuss a higher payment. He has been clear with his tenant that this is the final arrangement and he can't drop his rent any further. And if he can't make this payment, then it is up to him to make other arrangements. Brett and Shelley have done the best they can for him. Therefore, because of this, his final debt is going to take a little longer to clear. And although he had a spreadsheet showing each payment to that mortgage and a dropping balance, he and Shelley have now adjusted their numbers and settled on being debt-free by 2023 instead. And they are completely fine with this. He said that this will be the very last debt they ever have and they will never use debt again once this is gone. He told me emphatically, we don't do debt. And this is quite a turnaround from the old Brett. Their willingness to help others out is also remarkable, given the fact that Shelley has been made redundant from her own job due to COVID, losing her income of $45,000 a year. She was working in hospitality and the business she was in has already made the call that they won't be reopening. She had been building up a clientele for her dog walking business that she was also running, which had been bringing her in about $300 a week, so she will get back into doing that when she is able. And it gives her a bit of income and keeps her busy. And being the dog lover she is, I'm sure it barely feels like work anyway. So make no mistake, these two have taken some financial blows, along with many other Kiwis. Brett's own job at Air New Zealand has changed a lot since we last spoke. In late 2019, he had decreased his hours and moved into a job-sharing role with a colleague, and this arrangement was working out extremely well for him and letting him work on his passion projects, which is making and selling e-bikes, doing photography, and working on his new blog where he talks about managing type 1 diabetes. His annual income came down to just $60,000 a year, and he was working six days on and 12 days off, hours that he was extremely happy with. But with the massive impact that COVID has had on the airline industry, Air New Zealand were looking to cut costs. They asked for those wanting to take voluntary exit to put their hands up, which he did, but they would not let him go, letting some younger staff go instead. Now he was upset about this and pushed his point, asking them to let him go and keep the younger staff, but they needed to keep experienced people, which he is, and the fact remains that the ones they let go were cheaper to lay off than he would have been. They would have had to pay him more as he has been there longer. So it was a strategic decision on their part. And it's also true that he does enjoy his job when he is at work and it has given him a fantastic career. However, he may have escaped the chop this round of cuts, but he thinks they will let him go when they have to have future layoffs, but only time will tell. It's incredible that they can not worry about any of this when just five short years ago he said it would have been, oh my God, we are going to die over this. We're going to lose the house, the warehouse, all sorts of stuff. There would have undoubtedly been many, many sleepless nights. But good old Mr. Immediate appears to have entered into a new relaxed and zen state of mind now. And the reason is, he said, that he has what's referred to in the personal finance space as FU money. Now, as this is a mostly non-swearing podcast, you might just have to use your imagination here as to what that stands for. But basically, instead of being overcommitted and over-leveraged, they have diversified their assets 
and also have money in the right places available to deploy for different situations. They own their own house outright, so now there is no fortnightly mortgage payment taking a huge chunk out of their paycheck. They only need to cover the monthly bills like rates and insurance. The warehouse value is now at about $1.7 million, and with a debt of just $200,000, this has been covered by the reduced rent from the tenant, and they have that reduced amount of $1,000 income coming their way too each month. They have a $20,000 emergency fund sitting close at hand in a normal bank account, and it gives him massive peace of mind knowing it is there, yet he knows that they do not need to touch it. He said that there is also $8,000 that they have overpaid on their mortgage, and they can access that if they want to. He still has a superannuation fund within New Zealand invested in an aggressive fund. He said it is in an AMP low-fee passive international shares fund, the closest he could get to the index as possible, he said. And when we last spoke, it was sitting at $320,000. But due to strong markets, it rose to $410,000 at its peak, but it's since dropped back to $348,000. So a big drop. Now this used to bother him a lot if he saw the value drop, but now he looks at the number of shares he has instead of the value, and it just does not matter. If he had sold out, then it would matter, but he won't be, so it's an irrelevant conversation in his mind. What matters is the value of each share at the time of sale, and as long as the value is higher than he bought it, well, it's fine. And given the length of his investment time frame, it will be. He used to muck around with this fund and change the allocation within it, but now, with his new relaxed state of mind, he said he has disengaged himself from it. He just does not focus on it or care as much but he just quietly invests on a regular basis. He knows he is a long-term investor and will ride out these turbulent times and just stay the course. If he were to leave his job, this fund does come with him and unlike KiwiSaver, which is locked in until the age of 65, this is not. Both of their KiwiSavers remain with Simplicity Growth and the combined value has risen from $100,000 up to $140,000 since we last spoke. Being in a growth fund, the balance is wobbling around a bit at the moment too, but once again, they are not making any changes and just letting it do its thing. They still have a $10,000 investment with InvestNow, plus they began an investment with new low-fee provider Kernel, where they have a balance of $2,000 and are adding $50 a week into their New Zealand 20 index fund. Given where he works, he is seeing firsthand the really quite devastating impact that the job losses are having on people with some couples losing not one but two jobs, and he and Shelley are helping and supporting friends where they can. He said that for many, this current situation is their wake-up call, and he advises anyone listening that you need to get an emergency fund together as soon as you possibly can. He said not having one will trip you up at some point, and if you still have a job, then this is the time to reduce your expenses and your consumer lifestyle and just start stockpiling money. Because if this pandemic has not hit you financially, then at some point you will be hit by something else, so please be prepared. He said that the worst thing is that the pressure starts to build and people start making bad decisions. His advice is to batten down the hatches and try to get through. And if you do need to take on more debt from the bank to get through, then maybe you need to do that so you can hang on instead of making drastic changes by selling everything, including property, because you are frightened. You don't want to look back in two to three years' time and think you did the wrong thing. So just be wise in your decision-making during this time, he said, because given time, things will improve. Now, before I move on, I just wanted to give Brett's new project a quick plug here. 
For a long time, he has been a type 1 diabetic, and that is what ended his flying career all those years ago. Since then, he has worked to control it, and advances in technology in the more recent years have really helped him to do this. His goal is to get his pilot's license back and fly around New Zealand with his dad, a retired airline pilot himself, and meet with other diabetics and share their journey, their struggles and their wins, and to help them achieve their own goals in life. So please, if this is of interest to you, do go and check out his site, which has a lot of information on it, and can be found at flight1diabetic.com, and that's the numeral number one. Brett and Shelley are now a good example of what being diversified can look like. They have income coming in from a variety of sources, Brett's salary, Shelley's dog walking, rent, albeit reduced, from their warehouse, sales from their e-bike builds, and income from photography. Their debt level is low and will soon be gone, and they have retirement assets, some of which they can access early, building up strongly. They have a cash buffer in their emergency fund. All of this combined means that they have entered one of the most turbulent times in our history calmly and in a position to help others, and that right there shows me what the point of money is. Not to hoard it, but to allocate it wisely and look after not just yourself, but those around you, And that's a great lesson to us all, I think. Righto, next I wanted to share with you the progress that Lucas has made since our last chat. You may remember Lucas, who I told you about back in April 2019. He was on podcast number 28, which I called to stay on the million dollar treadmill or not. If you have not listened to it, pause this and go back and check it out because like Brett, there is a lot of detail in his story that I won't cover in this update. But to just very quickly refresh your memory, Lucas had reached a bit of a crossroads in life. He appeared to have what seemed to be the Kiwi dream, a house and a rental property in Auckland, but it came with a lot of debt and in their early 30s they had purchased a total of $1.3 million of property and taken on debt of $1.2 million to secure it. They were also paying off items they had purchased on interest-free terms because they thought that it made good sense to use other people's money to buy the stuff they wanted. But he had come to realise and understand that he would need to keep handing over money to his bank month in and month out to pay down debt in order to make himself, his wife and their two children comfortable in 30 years time and the thought of waiting this long was actually starting to lose its appeal. Lucas works in IT and when they took on this debt he was on a very high income and combined with his wife's income they were earning about $300,000. But early on in this process, soon after their first baby was born, his contract ended and he was suddenly on an urgent job hunt because with his wife on maternity leave, they had gone from two salaries to none. Job opportunities were plentiful and the salary offers were high, by my standards, but low by his as he needed to earn big money to service this big debt. They found themselves struggling along, juggling it all, and it got to the point where he was checking his bank balance daily waiting for his pay to come in so that he could meet his high mortgage payments. There was to be a period of many job changes where he was chasing bigger money, which had me asking at the time, what was the point of it all when all he was doing was servicing debt with his high income? But they had spreadsheets where they tracked their numbers and each time they looked at it closely, the math worked out. They could always just scrape by and they were hearing that the house prices in Auckland were increasing, meaning their equity was building. So this system was working. As long as he kept going to work as much as possible, and if his wife could get back to work after their second baby came along, they could prop it all up and wait for the equity to grow. 
And I remember listening to him as he told me all this. And I was just thinking, what an incredibly stressful life they were living and that there was more to life than money and math. What about factoring in the risk they had taken on? And what about finding some work-life balance as well? They just seemed to be on this treadmill that they could not get off and were just far too indebted. Lucas and his wife were having these same thoughts, so when we left off they had finally made the decision to try to sell up the rental property, but if they were not happy with the price they were offered, then they would keep it and continue on making payments to their $1.2 million mortgage. So I was itching to have a catch up and find out exactly what they ended up doing. Well when I caught up with Lucas in May 2020, he was out for a walk after a busy day at work, and he sounded pretty relaxed, which I took as a good sign. And whereas last time we spoke, I could tell that it was mostly Lucas crunching the numbers, this time he said we a lot more often. Prior to this, his wife was not as involved, most likely he said because she was anxious about their debt situation and was always against taking on such a huge amount of mortgage debt. He credits the book Playing With Fire by Scott Rikens for bringing them closer together. He read it in a day and encouraged her to give it a go too. He said he could relate so easily to it because there were so many similarities between them and the couple in the book and it made a real impact. She also finished it and said, right, this makes total sense. And then together, they really took control of their situation. She had also begun questioning their level of consumerism and had begun making changes to reduce waste and become a lot more minimalist. So their new way of thinking, plus the two of them working together, started to bring about some real changes. If you want to read Playing With Fire, you'll find a link on my tools and resources page on my website. I've read the book too, absolutely loved it. And they have been in the process of change together as a couple ever since. He changed jobs a few times again since we last spoke. People in the IT profession tend to go from contract to contract and he is back in a high paying role in IT, currently earning $190,000 a year. Plus, he had picked up a side gig too, which was bringing in extra income. Their children are now two and four, and his wife has gone back to work in a medical field three days a week, earning about $45,000 a year. He has come to realise a few things about the property market that he had never noticed before, with the main thing being what an illiquid asset it is, and how risky it is to have all of your money, well, all of the bank's money, tied up in just one piece of dirt. There is just not enough diversification when you own a single property and it's very hard to get your money out of it in a hurry if you need to. Something he said that people he has heard speak in glowing terms about property never talk about. They had decided to put their rental property on the market in November 2018 but by the time it was listed it was February 2019. They finally sold it in May but by the time they finally got their money it was June 2019. So it was a long eight-month process showing that getting your money out of property is not as straightforward as people think it is. He said how much better off they have become since they sold that investment property because one of their key changes is in their mindset, which is now to use their very high household income not to just service debt, but to instead aggressively pay down their remaining mortgage and save for other things that they want and they have made significant headway on their debt since we last spoke. Too often, in my opinion, people use a high income to leverage heavily to try to make money instead of realising that their high income is already giving them significant money. They just need to make better use of it. Dave Ramsey often says your biggest wealth building tool is your income. It almost sounds too simple, but it's absolutely true. 
A week after they sold their investment property, they did a full refinance of their debt and shifted from a 30-year term with the ANZ to a 15-year term at Kiwi Bank. Kiwi Bank gave them a good cash contribution which paid for their break fees, plus they covered any lawyer's fees too. So it was a real incentive to change. Plus he was to find out that they have a much better system for making up to 5% extra payments to reduce the mortgage faster. They sold their property for $780,000. In June 2019, they paid all of the costs associated with selling a home, paid off all of their smaller debts, and all up they dumped $735,000 onto their mortgage, reducing it down from $1.2 million to a much more manageable $425,000 fixed loan with a revolving credit facility of a further $90,000 available to them if needed, and they knew that this time they had the discipline to use this facility carefully. And now they are really starting to make some headway on this debt. Today in May 2020, it's down to $394,000. They have paid off $31,000 in less than a year, $12,000 more than the minimum payments required. They started out carefully with their payments, but once they felt comfortable With this new structure and their debt, they increased their payments up from $715 to $1,100 a week. Last year, they received a $4,000 tax return, so this went straight onto their mortgage as well. Plus, when they bought this house five years ago, they always knew it needed some relatively major renovations because the house was showing some real structural signs of wear and tear, which they had received a quote for to the value of $80,000. They sat down together and made a plan on how they could pay for this and decided to use that revolving credit facility. And in November, they once again borrowed money and paid a $42,500 deposit for the work. The consent alone was $8,000, he pointed out. However, they are still waiting for the consent to be issued and for work to begin. He had picked up a side gig to bring in extra money, and those delays actually turned out to be a bit of a blessing in disguise because they have already fully repaid the majority of this loan. When we spoke, they only had $2,000 left to go. Now they will begin saving hard again, and so by the time work does finally begin and payments need to be made, the chances are that at the rate that these two have taken to saving, they may be able to pay cash, and I'm hoping that their reliance on turning to debt to get the things they want may finally be over. Plus, they paid cash for an additional $12,000 of smaller renovations during this time. So these two are absolutely on fire and it's remarkable what you can achieve when you lower your debt levels and just take control of your money. You also manage to take control of your life. When we last spoke, he had also started up a couple of investments and they continue on as well. Back in June 2019, he had a small balance with InvestNow of $5,800 using their low-fee Vanguard Total World Fund, but he has been making lump sum payments of varying amounts into that fund and the balance of it today sits at $26,000. They continue to invest into their KiwiSavers. He is in 100% equities with Superlife, and his balance sits at around $76,000, and hers, he said, is with Simplicity in their growth fund. They both contribute regularly to their funds. They are still investing for their two children as well, and they break this into two parts. One is an investment for each child with Superlife, to which they contribute $20 a week for each child, which will be there for them to access sometime in their 20s. For what purpose, they are not sure yet, maybe to go towards a house deposit, but he said they will guide and educate their kids in the years ahead so that when the time comes, they will be in a position to make a good financial decision themselves.
The second investment is where they put $100 a month away in another InvestNow account for each child, and this money is earmarked for their schooling. As children go through the schooling system, there are some bigger costs involved, and this will cover that. The balance of the four-year-old's investments is actually $10,000, and the two-year-old has about $5,500 invested. If their children receive any money as a gift, this is where it has gone, and it will be left there to compound and grow over time. And as it gets closer to the time of being needed, Lucas will sell down some units in the fund to pay for items or expenses that the kids have, for example when they need their first laptop for school. Their kids don't have KiwiSaver, with his view being that he feels there is no incentive as they don't get the tax credit until they are 18, and there is no government contribution of $1,000 when they first join, like there used to be. I did point out that they could easily contribute this themselves, make a small monthly ongoing contribution, and just leave it to compound over time. When the kids start earning money themselves, they will contribute from their wages, and it will just give their retirement fund a nice start very early in life. And because they will be teaching their children how to save and invest for things they want, then there should never be a need for them to touch this KiwiSaver until they retire, giving them a lifetime of compounding returns and a very nice amount of money in retirement. As they started to mull around the idea of selling that investment property and were looking at at their entire financial picture, they took the time to think about all the things they had purchased on interest-free terms. He actually referred to them as interest-free deals, implying that they got themselves a deal or a bargain. But when they added them all up, it came to $19,500 of additional debt, a far bigger amount than they had imagined because each of these represented smaller loans from many places. They were interest-free for sure, so it didn't cost him extra to borrow the money, but he realised he was just delaying the payment, and after reading more about personal finance, he realised that what he had actually done was pre-committed his money in the weeks, months, and years ahead, thereby reducing his cash flow, and that was not a good thing to do at all. This was a huge mindset shift from, it's interest-free, so why would I use my cash? to I've foolishly pre-committed my income for months and years. Also something I'll point out about interest-free is that you really get a good deal, like you could if you just pay cash. Instead, the retailer tells you the price and your monthly payments. If you pay cash up front, you can almost always secure yourself a good discount. And whoever signs up to an interest-free deal and puts the money that remains in their bank to better use where it's earning money of its own. After all, isn't that the point of holding onto your money? So no one does, so just pay cash. When we spoke the last time, I felt quite worried for them as a family because they were busy pulling levers to keep their debt-laden ship afloat and they were lurching from crisis to crisis, which they had no control over. It felt unsustainable, and it was. He said that while they are still in a process of change, it has been a big bonus to face COVID-19 knowing that they are in a better position than previously. Working from home has made them so much more productive as he has no commute to work each day, and he has more time to spend working and with his family. Although, like many, they have struggled with childcare during this time while they both continue to work, both do have jobs which are secure, they are easily on top of all of their expenses, and they now have abundance, which is something that they've never felt they had before, simply because they had pre-committed all of their money to someone else, the ANZ Bank. He said that they were making so much money, but it all just went away because their mortgage was just so huge. They saw nothing of it, and they thought, will we be doing this for another 20 plus years until we can enjoy the fruits of our labour? 
that just didn't feel right anymore and he committed that from now on they would make far better decisions with their income. So they have set themselves a huge goal, an ambitious goal. They want their mortgage paid off by the time he is 40. That is five and a half years away. He has calculated that they would need to pay a whopping $1,800 a week onto their mortgage to achieve this, but with his job and the extra hours he works, plus with her income, they are definitely capable of doing it. It just takes planning, discipline, and smart spending, or not spending. They have brought a balance back to their lives, but the one area that does still need attention, he said, is the amount of hours he spends working. The one thing he really struggles with when he works as a contractor is taking leave from work. If he does not work, he doesn't get paid, and a day off for him represents income lost. He said he is not valuing his time as much as he values his high hourly rate, something he referred to as wearing golden shackles. So getting work-life balance is still a work in progress, and his thinking is that once the renovations are paid for in full, he will let the side gig he is also working on finish up, so he can reduce his overall hours and spend more time with his family. And his advice to others is to say that if you are thinking about decreasing your house debt, then do so, take the opportunity. He said that all people talk about, and I think that this is particularly true of Aucklanders, is the property market, and only more recently have people started to talk about shares and our share market, especially as property values have stopped going up so much. People can see and feel property, but it ties you in. It's so illiquid and it's not as straightforward as you think. Whereas if you invest in shares via a fund that holds 50 or 500 companies, then you can easily sell them if you need a little cash out quickly, he said. The Lucas I spoke to this time was a different person from last time. Last time he was using math to make his decisions and math fails to take into account risk and emotion. But this time he is using his math skills, but also his head and his heart And whereas before there was a lot of indecision and ifs and buts and maybes, now he has a clear focus and a plan to execute their decisions that they are making together as a couple. And although we can't deny that they did make money via that investment property, it actually came at quite a cost to them both. And now, using their pared back and more simple path, they are making huge headway using the money that they have coming in. And apart from working a few too many hours, they have a lot more balance in their lives now and a sense of control, something that was missing before. Righto, before I wrap up, I just have another quick message from Hatch, today's sponsor. Thanks again to Hatch for supporting the Happy Saver. They make investing in the world's most recognisable companies and funds easy and affordable. So to kick off your investing journey, head over to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver start investing. I've met a number of people who have very high incomes like Lucas, yet they struggle and they often appear to be worse off, in my opinion, than a low-income earner. People with high incomes try to use that money to make as much money as possible, instead of seeing that their income is more than enough to reach their goals. Lucas went all out to find out what that high income could earn them by way of leverage and how much they could borrow, and he ultimately found out that it was unsustainable, because life is about a whole lot more than just the money. I'm so pleased that they have instead decided to diversify out of housing and rid themselves of debt as fast as possible because in doing so they just open up a huge range of options and opportunities. No longer will they pre-commit their hard-earned income to pay for their lives but instead they will own what they have and invest more widely, putting money in the right places which will just give them a whole lot more balance to their lives. 
and I really look forward to the updates. I'm sure that Lucas will continue to email me from time to time. And I've also talked with a lot of people over the years who had an epiphany around money, but Brett's transformation remains in the top five. It's because he had such a 180 degree turnaround in his thinking. From spend and spend and spend some more to save, invest and find meaning in life. He said that since he woke up to how money works, he remains on cloud nine and he finds it empowering to put his money to better use than just buying stuff. Because he has been steadily buying back his freedom, his early retirement, he said, will be full of things to do. And judging by the calibre of his side hustles, I don't doubt him for a moment. Being able to get an update from both of these two during COVID-19 lockdown was important to me because had neither of them made changes to the way they were handling money, I think they would have been in dire straits financially. The fact that they had both turned their financial lives around and started heading in a different direction meant that they were more prepared than most for the upheaval that COVID has already had and for the upheaval that New Zealand will continue to experience in the next couple of years. They have entered this phase of their lives calmly, and in particular in regards to Brett, he and Shelley have been able to help and support those around them financially, and that's hugely important if New Zealand is going to get through this. So once again, thanks to Lucas and his wife, and to Brett and Shelley for generously sharing their stories with me again. All the best to them, and please do keep me posted as you tick off your milestones. So that's all from me this week, and that actually ends Series 5 of the Happy Saver podcast. I'll be back again with more episodes. I'm just not sure when, as I just create them as time allows. I just want to end by saying that for many Kiwis, the next 6 to 18 months are going to be trying times as our country and our economy tries to rebuild. We are a highly indebted country, with many of us thinking that is the only way to build wealth, and I've always maintained in the blog I write that this is a risky strategy, if it's your only strategy. And while some debt is necessary, I really do invite each and every person to try to diversify their investments and to rid yourselves of debt as soon as possible and just close that chapter in your life. Once you do, you will be amazed at the freedom it gives you to quickly pivot if life throws you lemons and also to grab any new opportunity that presents itself. And when an emergency crops up, it's just far easier to deal with. And I think above all, being in control of your money, no matter what your income level, gives you the chance to be generous to other Kiwis with your time and your money. And that's the kind of country I know that I want to live in. So kia kaha, aotearoa, let's get through this together. So that's all from me. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could leave me a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. Until next time, happy saving.